You know I'm right. The podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in sports, news, and entertainment. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese and Joe. I'm excited for our guest today. We've had a lot of his colleagues on throughout the industry. Um, but if you're watching this, the YouTube version here, I'm a little taken back because I've never seen him not in a suit before uh, <laughs> in the casual look. But uh, why don't you tell everybody who we have with us today? Yeah, so he's uh, somebody who's bounced around the area a little bit. Um, we're going to be adding to our SNY catalog. But uh, before then, he's had stops at the Miami Herald. Uh, he's just had stops at New Day. And he's had a stop at the New York Daily News. So uh, very happy to have him on. Um, Anthony McCarron. Anthony, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Uh, how are you? And, and thank you for having me. We're doing well. Uh, I wanted to ask you about our, our, a recent new nickname you got on air, uh, Map Daddy. What do you, how, do you, how do you feel about that, uh, that nickname you got? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, uh, when I, when I come baseball at the daily news sometimes that would get uh dropped in uh you know from some of my press box pals uh you know they would uh uh sometimes it's mackerel also you know i mean when your when your last name has an m small c you are pretty much susceptible to any sort of mac uh you know derivative uh, anything is going to come up at some point and uh you know i i like them all i you know i i think mac daddy is kind of hilarious um uh as well but uh, yeah, it's uh, there, there's a million of them. I have to ask you: Are you a are you a Windows guy or or you know a PC guy or a Mac guy? I am a Mac guy. I, I have a I have a Mac. Is that a uh, is that a point of contention between you two? No, you two guys. No, no. definitely not. Just just <laughs> had to ask you uh, because it's, it's a birthright, I guess, with your name there. So right. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think of it that way. It's Mac. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, obviously now you know your laptop is is crucial for you to write and everything and doing these zooms. But for you growing up, what made you want to essentially get into sports journalism and in a broader oversight here? How different is things from let's say the '90s to now when it comes to writing stuff? Yeah, uh, well, I'll I'll start uh, origin story uh, style. Um, you know, I grew up. Uh, I lived in New York City until I was 11, and then my family moved to Florida. Um, and, and the whole time, and in, in both places, I was an enormous sports fan, uh, primarily baseball. Uh, I, I just loved it. Uh, gobbled up anything I could read about it, you know, book after book about baseball. Uh, you know, there. you know, in the garage because I was just, you know, I couldn't bear to throw these precious uh, items away, you know, even after I had read them two or three times and, you know, didn't matter. And I could turn to one of the stories and basically digest and, you know, go chapter and verse on Gary Templeton and, you know, what that feature story was about him was all about or, or, or whoever. So, you know, that's really, you know, all my life, I've been a huge sports guy and, uh, you know, I liked to write in school and that was fun. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, when I was in college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I did some work at the college newspaper and, um, you know, enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I always felt that it was a way to keep me around sports and, and the writing part was a bonus. 
and and it really you know it has a you know my dad told me that that you know the famous saying you know if you find something that you love to do you'll never work a day in your life and i'm not going to sit here and say that you know being a sports writer and a sports journalist isn't work because it is of course um you know but a lot of times you know you have that soft landing of your office view being a baseball field and uh, you know that's uh, that that for the most part you know it has all of, look this you know th these gigs have their jobby parts too and there are bosses and all that stuff uh but you know sometimes there's there, there's something right about you know uh, writing about you know the, what the team did or didn't do or how they could have done it differently or why did they acquire this guy or that guy so there's always uh, interesting challenges yeah so what college did you attend i went to davidson college in, in north davidson. carolina made uh, okay uh, extra famous by steph curry right right yeah. of course you must yeah. love that tournament run back then. oh it was wow. great it was great uh, yeah i mean that was uh, that kind of that tournament run re, like sort of reconnected me to school, uh, you know, because my friends and I were all going nuts over it. It was yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, he actually I just read a story about him in the in the Charlotte Observer that he just got his. You know, so even as he's been one of the NBA's, you know, best and brightest players, he got all his credits done and they had a, they actually had like a cutout of him in a chair at the commencement ceremony uh, last weekend. So that was pretty cool. Kind of a, a, a neat story. Yeah. Didn't uh, somebody else recently do that? Was it Jerome Bettis? I'm thinking another yes, athlete. Yes, I think he, it yeah, was Jerome I think Bettis, you're right. right. I think he did. Uh, I think he was at, I think he was at his graduation ceremony. Um, but yeah, I think he did go, uh, go back and get his degree, which is, I mean, that's a great, uh, you know, I'm a softy for those kind of stories. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're seeing more athletes more and more kind of leave and then realize, okay, fulfilled my professional obligations. Now I go back, finish my education and figure out what I'm going to do with that with the next uh, chapter of my life. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. So, it's invaluable. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, so we're going to go to the next chapter in your life. Uh, so you went to Davidson, uh, what kind of internships did you do when you were at school? Uh, and then how did that ultimately lead you into your first job? Because your the first job in this industry is ultimately very hard to do as well. Yes. Uh, I wish I could report that I was a conscientious college student who was pursuing all these awesome internships. You know, I, I, I see some of these folks who have internships now at incredible papers like the Boston Globe and and you know I, they must get such a huge leg up in the industry uh, doing that and, and it's amazing I, I was not that I was not that student unfortunately I, I I had a little you know I was not it's not a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do and uh, you know college you know I was graduating college and I, I still wasn't sure and you know ultimately I, I was able to use through a friend of mine from college had a job at a small newspaper in uh, in a town called Greenwood, South Carolina, um, at the Greenwood Index Journal, and he called me, um, a, you know, months after we graduated. I, I think I was um, I was a, I was working at a record store, which might be an unfamiliar term to uh, to some of the uh, younger. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll come up there and see what it's all about. I ended up getting the job and um, I spent uh, almost two years there. The, the first year of it was as a news reporter. 
um, which was, you know, it was a great education. I, I was taking the pictures, uh, you know, the photos that went along with the stories. Uh, you know, I was responsible for those. I even got, I could never do it now, but I was even taught how to develop them. I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> this is pre-digital age. So, uh, you know, I wasn't uploading to a computer. I was in the dark room, um, you know, mixing the chemicals and everything like some sort of a med and totally un unqualified scientist. Um, so, uh, th that was my first job. And, and, you know, while I was there, I got to start doing sports, uh, high school football was enormous in this town. They had a really good team. Uh, so Friday night football was huge there. I mean, they, they had a giant stadium, everybody, you know, the, the town was always interested in what Greenwood high was doing. And, 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 and indeed the rest of the surrounding smaller high schools as well. And the paper covered them all, so I got to get in on that a little. And then I eventually moved over into the sports department, and uh, and started doing that full time. And you know, it w which was great. I mean, it was, you know, I, I did. I was a history major in college, so I didn't have any reporting classes per se. So this was my lab to learn how to do it and make you know all the mistakes in the world, which. Uh, I did and, you know, ask all the dumb questions and they're, you know, look, I mean, everybody asks silly questions, uh, you know, even later in their career for sure. Um, you know, so to learn how to present a story, what's important, what's not, how to dig a little bit more. Um, so it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't crazy about a uh, small town living um, in the South and, and, you know, that ultimately prompted me to, to try to move on. Um, but it was the, the education I got there was tremendous. And, uh, you know, I just learned so much about the business and, you know, I, I ended up going to Northwestern to get a map. In Greenwood. So at the top, I mentioned, uh, you started working at the Miami Herald and eventually you moved on to Newsday, right? So uh, evidently that means that you found your way back to Florida and then you found your way back home. Yes. Uh, so how did the Miami Herald opportunity uh, happen for you? How was that like? And ultimately, how did that lead into your transition to moving back home uh, to your real home, uh, New York City, when you, uh, after, you moved, uh, after you moved away when you were 11? Well, I got the job um, at, at the Herald after, after my, the, the, the Northwestern uh, master's program is one calendar year. So after that, I was back home in Florida living with my mom and dad and I, uh, you know, trying to get a job somewhere and a part-time opportunity opened up at the Herald and I was lucky enough to get it. And it was in the, um, uh, it was in a, the Fort Lauderdale Bureau, um, you know, cause the Herald was, you know, the Herald is obviously based in, in Miami. Um, and, you know, but they were trying to get readers in Broward County too, not just Dade County. So they had, they covered all the Broward County high school sports. Um, they had one full-time reporter who did it and then a few part-timers who were involved as well. And a lot of it was, you know, clerk uh, kind of work where I would, you know, pick up the phone. Okay, coach, how, how did the game go? You know, and you're typing away in the computer and, you know, so-and-so, uh, you know, had 26 points and 12 rebounds and so-and-so made a steal at the buzzer to ice the win you know, so it was that kind of stuff. And then you, you'd, you'd occasionally get thrown out to, to stories as well, which was always great because, you know, there were tremendous athletes down there and, and you know, big time football, big time basketball, big time baseball. Uh, so that was, you know, that was a lot of fun. And I did that for a couple of years because I just, you know, any opportunity that they were willing to, to give me, I would take, I, I wrote like feature stories for the, they had these zoned 
parts of the paper that would go to, you know, uh, different counties or, or, or whatever, or different uh, bigger urban areas still in the, you know, the Broward area. Stories for them, and freelance side hustle for those things. But that was what a lot of it was at that time. You know, trying to get assignments there. Um, since I was a part timer, you're trying to supplement with any freelance you can do as well. I mean, I, I covered um, I covered the Orange Bowl uh, for a couple of years uh, for a paper uh, in Nebraska on a freelance basis. <laughs> because nebraska was in it like twice i think in a row and you know right. i so i would cover the whole run-up for them you know go to going to the press conferences and then the game and and uh, you know they would send their their writer too but they would expand their coverage because obviously it was such a big deal um but yeah so they uh at one point i had a very impressive collection of uh media gift uh they, they used to give away bags like work bags you know shoulder bags or whatever i had i had like three consecutive orange bowl uh years of the shoulder bag you know it was crazy but uh but really fun um you know and you're just at that point you're just trying to get everything you can get anything you can yeah and it's i mean you're covering a big game like that and getting those swag bags I and mean, yeah can't can't beat that so yeah. from there how did you ultimately end up with newsday well, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was going to get a, a full-time shot at the, at the Herald. And it was, at the time, my, my parents wanted to move back to New York. And, uh, you know, and, and at that point, I said, you know, this was 1994. So I had been at the Herald for two years, uh, or roughly two years at that point, maybe not quite. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I've always wanted to, you know, live back in the city as an adult. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And I, I got lucky to get a part-time, basically the same kind of job I had at the Miami Herald, I got at Newsday, in Newsday's Queen's, Queen's office, um, doing kind of the same thing I did at the Herald, and, you know, taking scores over the phone, uh, clerk stuff, and then, you know, hustling up stories, writing for their borough pull-out sections too, you know, going trying to find stories, you know, to write for the book section, uh, you know, that, that was kind of that, and then the Daily News, uh, expanding they had moved some of their the they had uh they had five people who covered heist and uh at the time and they kind of which i mean sounds crazy today because it's not the same climate but they moved they were moving them up on, on the food chain and they were looking to hire people so they hired a couple of the people who who worked uh at newsday and i was lucky to, to be the last one of those i think it was to uh to get in on on that and uh you know and i spent 21 years at the daily news so with the Daily News, ultimately in 1999, you, you're breaking in as a baseball reporter, which was originally your, your major love there. So right. how, did, how did that opportunity come about for you? Because you know, you're grinding away for all these years, and now you're finally becoming what you wanted to be, a baseball reporter. Right. Well, the, um, uh, when, when we covered high schools there uh, at the News, which I did for three years, I, uh, you know, the summer was relaxed for us because there wasn't you know school's not in session you did some stuff because like basketball recruiting was so big and there's all these summer camps and stuff so you did go out to those and talk to the big name recruits you know the stefan marbury's of the world and all that sort of stuff um you know but there were opportunities you know i, I volunteered to do uh baseball games if they needed spare people and there were 
you know, this is when they would send four or five people to a baseball game, you know, especially if it was Yankees, Red Sox, you know, they'd have the guy, they'd have a columnist or maybe two columnists, they'd have the main beat writer, and then they'd have, you know, maybe one or two sidebar writers. So I volunteered to do as many sidebars as I could. And, you know, by 1999, that became um, uh, pretty regular. Actually, I have, there's a, there's a stop in between there because I, my actual first pro beat was the Islanders. Wow. From uh, I did the 98, 99 season, and then I did half of, of 99, 2000, um, because I moved to the Yankee beat in 2000, um, uh, to take that, to take that over. But yeah, I had hockey writing. High schools, the summers were clear. So, uh, you know, I was volunteering to get into baseball as much as possible. How challenging is it for you to go from one beat to the other in different sports? And do you think now where you currently are, if someone's like, hey, Anthony, we need you to, to cover this football event or can you, can you do some hockey coverage? Would you be able to do it? It's funny you mention hockey because I'll be at the game, Rangers game on Sunday uh, at the Garden. I'm going to write for the website for SNY actually. So, I, I mean, it's, it, that, it, it's challenging because I don't follow it in the same way that I, I follow baseball because that's my prior, primary focus. But, you know, in, in those days, uh, you know, when, when you're on staff at a newspaper, you sort of have to be flexible and you have to be versatile if you want to, uh, or at least you have to say to the people who make the decisions, oh, I can do that. Sure. Hockey, yeah. no problem. You know, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. And then, you know, you, you, you back home and you're reading everything you can find on it and 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 asking any of your you know puckhead friends you know to to go down the, the list of uh, you know forechecking backchecking everything you know so you so you get up to speed but yeah uh, it, it is challenging and you do have to do your homework um, and uh, you know when I when I did get the Yankee beat I felt like I was in a great place because I you know I knew the game. Um, you know and and loved it and, and so I thought that that would that part would be. You know, I wouldn't have to force myself to, to read about it or think about it or talk about it. Um, you know, the hard part is reporting it because that's a hyper competitive beat with, you know, <clears> some <throat> of the best people who, you know, are working in sports anywhere. And they're all getting great stories. They all have good sources. They've all done a great job of, of cultivating people. And, 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 you know, they have a keen eye to notice stuff because, of, of course, the club is not telling you everything that's going on. But, you know, some of it is laid bare for you to see on the field, in the clubhouse, whatever. And, you know, they could, they, they had trained eyes, developed eyes that I certainly did. In 2000, I mean, that was, you know, that was an enormous beat, very important. The front of the paper cared about the Yankees. You know, when I covered the Islanders there, you know, I was the only person who really covered it, cared about the Islanders. They were terrible at the time. And, and so, you know, I would be, you know, my nerdy self out at practice on Long Island and, and I'd call in, you know, hey, I've got a story about the, the plucky winger who scored uh, four goals in the last five games, you know, how he's, this is, he's really turning a season around. And they'd be like, we don't have room, boom. And, you know, that's the old hang up motion, uh, you know, pre cell phone days. Um, but, uh, you know, but now it's like, you know, now I would, when I was doing the Yankees, I'd call in and, and I'd say, okay, I have this. And they'd say, okay, what else? And I'd say, uh, okay, I could do this. And they'd say, well, 
do you have anything else? And I say, well, I could do this. Okay. And then what about a notebook? So all of a sudden, you know, so it's, you know, laser focused, everybody's into it, you know, but that's, that's great because you're getting read, you know, it's on the back page all the time. And that's a place that you want to be, you know, in, in your career, if you work at a tabloid. So, you know, it was a definite learning experience, but uh, incredible. Yeah. So I was going to ask briefly at the peak <laughs> of their, uh, at the peak of the last great baseball dynasty, right? Uh, how much was a, of a grind was it? Because getting to the ballpark, getting there, setting up shop, uh, being involved in all those, those postseason games from that run. Uh, I mean, it must've took a toll on you, right? Yes. It's exhausting. Um, and I'm not sure that I, you know, that I, that I knew that it was going to be like that, but at the time you're, you're so charged up on adrenaline that, you know, you, you don't realize it until I, I remember being exhausted after seasons, like exhausted. I remember after, after the 2001 world series, you know, the, the Yankees had played uh, in the playoffs and obviously made the World Series, but every opponent was a West Coast opponent. So we were flying back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So at the end, I was, I, I had like, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, the flu. Or... Games to the Diamondbacks in 2001. And we come home, I call my boss, you know, I've got like 104 fever. And I say, look, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing any off season stuff today. You know, I can't, I gotta, I gotta be in, I gotta be in bed. Oh, okay. So I hang up the phone, go back to sleep two hours later, you know, that, that in those days you could go to the stadium and the players were cleaning out their lockers and you, you could get into the clubhouse to talk to them about what went right, what went wrong during the season. You know, hey, your contract's up. Are you going to resign here or are you going to you know, sign with your hometown team in Texas or whatever? Um, so I, I, I you know, was not going to the ballpark that day. So I'm, a, I'm snoozing away, trying to get better. Two hours later, the phone rings. I know you're not going to the ballpark today, but are you making calls? And I'm like, well, no, I'm asleep. You know, so but that's the. <laughs> You know, that's the way that beat was at the time. And it is, you, you're right. I mean, grind is a perfect word for it because, you know, I, I always got the impression that there were people in the newspaper business who, who, who didn't do that job, who thought that their commute was comparable to the commute of someone covering a major league baseball team, which of course is insanity because I flew from <laughs> Chicago to Seattle that morning on the first flight and you know, in the middle of this long road trip, and then I got to go cover a game, yeah. you know, and there's no, there's no off day coming up on Saturday, you know, because they have another game. So it was, you know, and that, that, you know, some people are, some people who, who cover the beat are like sort of built for that grind and the lifestyle and they're totally, they can, they can do it, but it, it wore me out. I'll tell you. So obviously 2004, tough pill to swallow for Yankee fans like Joe, but for you as a writer, I mean, how like incredible was that to be able to, to write that story as it unfolded when they when they collapsed the Red Sox? That was one thing that the, those those Yankees and they've really always been good at this, but they were they always generated fascinating things to write about, and they. leading, you know, three, nothing. And the way, the way it all happened uh, and the fact that the, 
that that rivalry was at such a fever pitch at the time and you know there was real heat between the two teams there was certainly real heat between the organizations you know the, the front office people and uh, and and obviously the you know the fans um so f- for that to happen you know against the backdrop of of fights in the past and you know bad blood all that stuff it, it really was amazing i mean you're lucky as a reporter to get to get in on these kind of stories you know they don't happen all the time i mean so many seasons end and they're just nondescript seasons where some team you know maybe not in new york but some team that you cover is 79 and 83 and everybody's glad the season is over you know they love baseball but they're you know uh, it's a big shrug and you know the, the yankees were never a shrug uh, the, the whole time that I wrote about them on a daily basis, they were never a shrug. They always had something going on, always had some incredible thing happening. And that, that collapse was, was, you know, uh, the, uh, was, was part of it. That was you know, definitely a major moment in, in, in baseball history. Yeah. Another big moment. I'm guessing you were in the stadium for this, but what, what was going through your mind when, Roger Clemens was in George Steinbrenner's box. I was there that day. <laughs> How did you go about day. tackling that story post-game? Well, that was, it's funny because we were, you know, that was obviously crazy and, you know, and a treat because that's, you know, that fits right in with their, with the Yankee MO. They love a show and they know how to put one on. The I actually remember vividly, um, you know, we went down to the clubhouse, did the interviews, whatever we, we got off of that, which are not very memorable. You know, I can't pick it out. But one detail that I can pick out, and I actually, le- I think I led my story with it, was that when we, when I got upstairs to the press box and, you know, I'm sitting down to write, look out, and Clemens was throwing in the bull. A great visual to start the story with. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, when you're covering, when you're with the Daily News later at, at the end of, of your tenure there, obviously social media explodes. So how did you balance between, okay, I got to get this story up on the website or out in the paper versus I need to tweet this out right now. So we need, so I can be first getting credit for it. Right. That's a very, that's a very interesting question. And, you know, it, it harkens back to what we were, what you guys asked at the beginning, you know, how things have changed. You know, when I first started doing it, there, we had a thing called, you know, you went and got the papers every day. So you had that moment at the newsstand. Like you didn't, before you went to bed, you didn't know if somebody had a big story, a competitor had a big story. You know, the ways, there were two ways you could find out. A way too early call from one of your bosses. Did you see the post? You know, uh, and, or you could go to the, the newsstand yourself. And I distinctly remember, I don't remember what the story was, but I remember walking up to a newsstand and seeing Tino Martinez on the back of the post, I think it was, and there, there was no reason why Tino should have been on the, on the back of the post. And I was just like, oh, no. And, you know, they had gotten a good story or whatever it was. And, uh, uh, but that was like, you know, the, the, the dread of going to the newsstand, um, which is now replaced by like, you know, something pops up on Twitter and it's, a, you know, like, oh, look at that. You know, they traded for so-and-so, uh, you know, we got to work on that story. It's a different kind of, of thing. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, newspapers have, look, for historically, newspapers have struggled with the Internet um, because they gave it away for free. They gave away, a lot of them gave away the content for free early on in the explosion of the Internet because 
I remember distinctly being told that it was a great advertising tool for the paper product because no one could conceive that the paper product would ever disappear or would ever be marginalized in the way that it probably you know has nowadays so if we had started charging everybody a nickel every for every but of course that wasn't the case so you know early on um, you know, they wanted you to get stuff up on the web. So, you know, you could possibly say you had it first, um, you know, they wanted or, or, or they just wanted to get the news up there, you know, so if, if there was a trade, you could say, you know, that so and so was traded uh, for Anthony McCarron, you know, McCarron had, uh, you know, 24 home runs last year, blah, 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 just put up a little thing. And then you would, uh, you, you would write your more in depth piece with interviews and, you know, whatever later on, and that would replace it. And that would be the one that would go in the paper the next day. Um, you know, but the, but the idea of, of tweeting news, because you're basically like alerting everyone else that does your job that you compete with, that you have this story that it's out there that this trade has been made, you found out first, you know, either by luck or by hard work. And, you know, now they're in on it, too. And, and so you had to, I remember they wanted us to at one point, like write the story first, before you tweet it, so when you tweet it, it has a link so they can go to the pay, go to the website. And, you know, but of course, uh, when you're writing the story, somebody else could, you know, catch you, tweet it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, according to the, you know, uh, according to the to the penny saver, you know, Jason Giambi is going to be, tr you know, traded or whatever. And so it was it was it's, it was a crazy time. I You know, I'm also I was not on the beat when social media was a thing and when it exploded. So I was. You know, I wasn't somebody who had to do, you know, had to blog a whole lot. I did some, you know, when that was a thing, uh, you know, and so I didn't have to like the social media responsibilities didn't weigh heavily on me at, at that time. And then it, and then, you know, everything sort of changed, uh, you know, going forward. And now, you know, people are covering the, the team on Twitter and and that might be it. And that's, you know, there's I don't know, there's there's call for that. There's a market for it. Anthony McCarron, 24 home runs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, so, uh, I think so, I undersold myself. So uh, Nick and I Nick and I have a, our, our softball team tonight, our Wednesday night softball match, and uh, we could use a power header in the middle of the lineup. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> How are you? Are you, guys, are you guys a good team? Yeah, I mean, last year we went to the uh, championship game, but uh, nice. we got we got destroyed because they moved us up a division because we were too good. So we we ended up losing the championship. Ah. So, uh, I know some serious softball players. Yeah, we got to We got to try to get some of these, uh, you know, some of these SNY people, these former <laughs> athletes, to come and join us. <laughs> Every time we get on somebody from like MLB Network, we're like. You in the area, yeah, you right. want to come down? <laughs> right, Carlos Pena, you want to play? Mark DeRosa? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Once upon a time, Carlos Pena reached out to us and kind of teased it a little bit, you know, so that that possibility is still out in the universe. Oh, he's a nice, he's a really nice guy, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Carlos. Yeah. And he was a really good player, too. Yeah. He was a great power header, too. Yeah, Ray's, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ray's back on course. Anthony, for you, what, what was your, your kind of ballpark routine or even when you still go what time are you getting there uh and then an important question i always like to ask people who are writing baseball 
what are you doing like as far as are you eating before the game are you snacking during the game how are you staying energized because what people don't realize is if this game's going 16 innings you guys are sitting there the whole time too writing that so what's your your kind of daily routine there well, I, uh, I learned the hard way that you have to get to the ballpark early um, in, in I, you know, I feel like in that job, there's you, you can't control what the other uh, media covering the team, you know, gets for their story. You can't control, you know, getting the interview you want, because ultimately, you, you know, you have to ask the player or whoever and they have to agree to it and, you know, all that stuff. Sometimes it doesn't happen. So the one thing you can control there is being on time because, you, and that gives you the opportunity, and this may sound like something small, but it, it means that you cover this base of being able to have your eyes on the club. On the disabled, the injured list for the last two months, well, he's throwing in the bullpen now, and you can see that. You know, if you showed up a little late, you might not see that. Uh, you know, I remember that, I, you know, I, I made that mistake a couple times where I would miss stuff because I, you know, on a, on a Sunday, it's, you know, if you cover a Saturday night game, it's difficult to get there at the appointed time on, on Sunday because, you know, whatever. And, but, you know, you can miss your opportunity to talk to a guy who might be a newsmaker of the day. Uh, you can miss your opportunity to see something. So I always left ridiculously early uh, to get there and, you know, set up and you can you, ha you have a few moments of peace, nice baseball field as your vista. And, you know, that's good. And then, you know, as far as the eating goes, like, uh, uh, you know, I had to eat many a dinner while, you know, like this, you know, typing, eating, type, you know, there or, you know, some, but most days there's a break after you're done, you know, covering the team after they're done taking batting practice and you can come upstairs and and eat in the press dining room or grab something from one of the concessions if that's your thing. Uh, and you can, you know, sort of exhale a little bit. What stadium would you say had the best press dining? Oh, man, that is a that's a tough one. Kansas City was it was always good. I haven't been there in a long time, but they had they always had good barbecue, barbecue there because, yep. yeah, they were very obviously there. That town is very proud of their excellent barbecue, rightfully so, having consumed uh, vast quantities of it over the years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, including being out there for the World Series in 2015, which was which was great. Um, so that was I'd say that's probably uh, one of them. You know, sometimes they. Depending on, on, on the club's mood toward the media, I think that Im impacts it or if they have changes in the, you know, some of them go up and down. Like I remember Boston used to go up and down a lot. Like one year they would be, you, you know, be like, well, you got to go to the concession stand. And then the next year you'd come back and it was great. And yeah. you're like, this is phenomenal. I'm glad we come here, you know. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it just depends on you know, how the team's doing or what the market price is and stuff. So you never know. But SNY launches. So your company, they get their own show, Daily News Live, with, with the great Joe Beningo and uh, yeah. originally Chris Cotter and then Jonah Schwartz. And then, you know, a bunch of you and your colleagues end up coming in. So when you were approached with that opportunity, what was your, your initial reaction there? Because you're obviously coming from a writing background and now like, hey, let's let's throw you on TV. 
Well, I mean, it was exciting to, you know, to be honest with you, because it's, it's something new and different and fun. I, I mean, that's the way I always looked at it was that the, 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 the times, and I had at the beginning, I kind of went, I kind of had, uh, everybody got a chance early on. And then later, you, you know, you kind of, you know, did or didn't. And so I had a couple of runs where I went a while without being on. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that I, you know, part of it was me getting used to being on TV because it's, you know, while you go into it, you know, thinking, Hey, fun, you know, the, the, the red light comes on and you're like, I'm on, I'm on television, you yeah. know, and they're like, look into the camera and you're like, look into the camera, you know, and it's, so it can be nerve wracking. And, um, you know, but it was, I, I, I looked at it as, as like, look, I have no idea if I could ever do anything in, in, in that part of it. Uh, I, I should just have fun with it. I, I mean, SNY, you know, when they Daily News Live was a thing and, and some of the other shows they've created. I mean, I'm on Baseball Night in New York uh, now, and that show is a treat. Uh, it's so much fun to be on it. They've really they always fostered uh, for that show. And then and and Dear Departed Daily News Live, the you know, the the, the sizzle of a, of a good sports conversation. Um, you know, there was camaraderie. There were arguments, yeah. uh, you know there were de debate topics, different points of view. So like, I always tried to just. So one of my favorite segments on SNY, it has to be when you and John Hopper on sports night, I mean, <laughs> you guys are going at it, ex exploding. Obviously you guys, worked together for a long time you should yeah. probably get your own digital show at least but <laughs> do you feel like with certain people that you're working with you really have to up it and bring your a game to go back and forth with them yeah i mean you know with harp and i have have a natural uh a natural kinship because we did you know we were at the daily news together for so long um we have some key things that we agree and disagree on um you know we both love baseball and so I, it is always a thrill to be on with John because I think he's really good on TV and he's a really smart baseball guy who 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 notices a lot and you know knows a lot of people in the game. So it's really great, and I love to, you know, I I love to disagree with him um, on television because we get a good you know we get we always get a good thing going. But yeah, you know, some some people you you know you don't know as well, and you you, you know you try to get to know and and be loose with, but you know that can be a challenge as well. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's all part of it. It's all part of making the show as good as you can, uh, can make it, you know, by being uh, receptive to an argument or receptive to a moment of camaraderie, whatever it is, uh, you know, that you, that then you can sort of start building that kind of relationship. Yeah. I always felt like SNY provided us our first real true New York network and the, uh, right on down the list. I used to love watching the wheelhouse. Brandon Tierney is my guy. Went to Marist. Uh, used to watch. Uh, love watching Loudmouths. Uh, yeah, Loudmouths is great. Adam Shy moved on, worked for the NFL, and uh, gives me a nice little segue because uh, somebody very, very close to you uh, has also been at the NFL for a very, very long time. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners who that special somebody is and uh, how you met them? Well.
backdrop here is you is usually her home set um, for when she goes when she makes uh, TV appearances from home. So uh, uh, you know that's why there's like an NFL book back there. Um, you know, I'd love to claim the Emmy that's back there somewhere too, but that's hers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, uh, we have been married since 2001. Um, we met at the Miami Herald. Uh, she, she worked there too. Um, and uh, that's how we got to know each other. And then after I had moved to New York, she actually got a job at Newsday. I was working at, at the Daily News at the time. And, and so she, she moved to New York and that's where we, you know, started, uh, became an item started going out, fell in love, got married, had a daughter, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she's, she is great at her job. Uh, you know, before she worked for the NFL, she worked at the New York times, um, after, after her stint at Newsday. Um, so she, she is in the middle of a wonderful career. She's great on TV. Uh, she's a, a total natural and, uh, uh, she really knows a lot about football. And, um, you know, it's funny because people ask us about, you know, a two sports journalist household. Um, and, you know, we really do have some of these conversations at home, you know, that you might have on a, a loudmouths or whatever, you know, uh, uh, I'm a big giant fan, Giants fan. So she's got to talk me off the ledge about the Giants all the time. And, uh, especially <laughs> <familiar>. recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, so it's great. And, uh, you know, um, we've always, you know, there's always a ball game on, uh, uh on, TV here, it seems like, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's really a, a, a great, uh, a great thing. You and Judy are an absolute power couple. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering, you know, in 2001, how many of your fellow colleagues, I mean, this must have been a big, big, big time industry event when you're getting married at the Lotus <laughs> Club, and you, get the, yes. you get your article in the New York Times as well. But was it just like a who's who of people working in, uh, in local news? Because it seemed like, you know, big time event. Yeah, a lot of good friends from, from here and from, uh, from the Herald, uh, you know, uh, that, that we, you know, both were both friends with, uh, yeah, it was a great, uh, it was a, it was a great event. Uh, we had a lot of, a lot of folks there. There was a definite, uh, journalism, um, uh, turn to it, um, which was, uh, which was good. I mean, it's, you know, as it should be with, you know, with the, with the business, uh, with the business that we're in, um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that place is great. Every time I walk pa past there, uh, you know, coming out of Central Park or whatever, the Lotus Club, I'm like, man, oh, man, that's that's where I got married. That's awesome. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anthony, in your career, what would you say was your, you know, right moment? So what we mean by that is a time where you wanted to do something, pursue something. You ask somebody for advice. And they say, hey, Anthony, I don't think you should do that. That doesn't sound like a good idea. And you say, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I'm right. Gosh, I would have to say that, um, I mean, well, I, you know, I took a buyout from the Daily News at the end of 2016. And, you know, so presently, I'm a, you know, in addition to my work at SMY, I do a lot of do some freelance writing. Uh, I, I do some freelance writing still for the Daily News uh, on occasion um, and other places, the SMY website included, um, you know, but that was not an easy decision to make. Uh, and the idea of, you know, I, I mean, I sort of thought the writing might be on the wall. You know, the Daily News was changing. And if 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 I weren't if I, if I wasn't going to be laid off 
you know, then or soon, it would be the next time or the time after that. So I decided to try something. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there were people who told me, no, don't do that. But I think it, I had an internal conversation with myself, like, you have a job, you know, hey, schmuck, you have a job, you know, you're going to leave a job without a job to see what you enabled us to to make that call and, and do it. And, it, you know, it, it's turned out to be great, to be quite honest with you, because, uh, you know, a two sports writer household is a is a crazy scheduling nightmare. Yeah. You know, like I think people, you know, the NFL schedule was recently released. And, and so there's all those stories about how it's made and you got to get, you know, these five people are working on it and, you know, the NASA computers are involved, whatever. And I said, I said, well, that sounds a lot to me. That sounds a lot like navigating two sports writer uh, schedules when you have a, have a child, Yeah. you know, because yeah. it's like, well, what's the next week look like? Well, I'm going to be in Cleveland and then Detroit. Well, you, you can't go to Detroit because I have to be in Jacksonville, you know. And we, when I left the Daily News, we eliminated that insanity because I would always be home. I think I've been on one work trip um, as a freelancer uh, since then. So we we always had like a baseline home thing happening once I did that. So it, it turned out to be a, a, a really good move. I you know I'm basically setting my own schedule too, and you know I'm not getting. Uh, you know, I'm not woken up in the middle of the night because, you know, so-and-so made a trade or whatever and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So that's, it all, it all came out good. But I, I would say that that was my, and I found out pretty quickly, I think, um, that I was right to do it because it, it, it just felt so comfortable. It felt so natural. Uh, you know, SNY was giving me opportunities, which I've been, always been incredibly thankful for. Um, you know, and the website turned into a, a possibility for me to write for them too. And, and, you know, along with other freelance stuff. So it's been great. And we thank you for joining us, Anthony. We will continue to read and watch everything that you do with us and why we appreciate your time. Uh, and what we do here is we always give our guests the last words. So uh, if there's anything else you would like to share, if there's anything else you would like to promote or just to get off your chest, uh, by all means, go ahead and do so. But once again, you know, thanks again for doing this with us. Oh, th thank you for having me, guys. I mean, the one thing I would say is that if you... Don't pigeonhole yourself in one sort of thing. You know, be open to, you know, I mean, I've been on, I've been on TV and in the newspaper and all, all that. So you, like you sort of have to be aware of how to do all these things. You know, make sure you can write because that's important, even if you are only on television, uh, you know, or, or only doing anything. Uh, you know, writing is key in this, in this business uh, and don't, you know, don't neglect that part of it. Um, and it's, you know, there are plenty of rewards along the way. There's plenty of hard work, um, you know, but it is ultimately, you know, if you're getting to go to a ballpark, that's a, that's a good way to start the day. Absolutely. Very well said. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. So that's going to do here for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For our very special guest, the Mac Daddy himself, Anthony McCarron, <laughs> and my co-host, Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right.